everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. I'm Edie Tolbert. And I'm Jennifer Edwards. And we are Business Besties. Hey friends, Jennifer here. Before the podcast gets started, I wanted to interrupt for just a second, since this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, to talk about the Stoneberg Project. You may not know this. Edie, even as passionate as she is about her nonprofit, is a little skittish saying, hey, it takes money to help people. I, however, am not skittish about this. As you've probably heard Edie say on the podcast, she now supports all people experiencing cancer treatment. She does this by providing care for the mind, body, and soul. Through her community groups, her staff who reach out and pray for clients, and through her certified oncology massage therapist she is helping the whole person as they walk the cancer journey y'all i believe wholeheartedly in what Edie is doing my husband and i are project partners we signed up for two years it's 65 dollars a month for some this is a stretch and i realize that for others it's practically nothing if you or your business is looking for a worthy cause to support i challenge you to do what ron and i have done And I'm going to try to get through this last part without getting emotional. Cancer has changed our worlds forever. Both of our our moms had cancer. We lost Ron's sweet mom, Wanda. And we got to keep my... We got to keep my sweet mama, who is now living her best life at 82 years young. We both lost our dads. We both lost our dads to this stupid disease. We support the Stonebrook Project in honor of those we've lost. And to help Edie make a difference until there's a cure. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm here with Jennifer, my business bestie, and Kristen Hale. We have invited Kristen to our podcast. She is a part of Jennifer's Mastermind, which I'm also a part of. And she is an expert in the field of mental health. And with everything that's going on in the world today, We have invited her in to talk to us a little bit about mental health so that we can gain more understanding on how to take charge of our health, our mental health. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in business, what your business looks like, and then we'll go from there. Well, I actually did mental health as a second career, which a lot of people don't know about me, but I was a teacher for 15 years, and the short version of a very long story is that I went in back into graduate school thinking I would continue to work in the schools and loved that, but had an opportunity to start working in outpatient mental health about 15 years ago and have worked since then in outpatient mental health in the schools, also through a nonprofit. I worked for a brief time at a federally qualified health center. Uh, And now I have a private 
private practice. My private practice, Connect and Restore, is about six years old. We just celebrated our sixth birthday. (laughs) Love birthday parties. And so we basically serve about 250 clients a week in mental health. And that is exploding. And I'm sure we'll talk about that pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. But I'm really privileged to do what I do. I have an amazing team, about 15 Mm -hmm. therapists that work for me now. It started just with me in one room and has just grown. And so we're very fortunate to be able to work in the field we work in and serve people the way we do. So what what age bracket do you serve? Do you serve from like adolescents to adults? What's that what's that look like? The answer is yes to everyone. <laughs> We all of the above. All of the people. Yeah. Uh, we actually have two of us in my practice that are endorsed in infant mental health. And oh, people wow. don't even realize that's something that's true. I was sharing with somebody the other night, we don't have babies come in and lay on the couch and talk about their deepest feelings. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but we actually do start with infants as early as brand new, newborn, wow. uh, working with their parents on how to increase security, increase secure attachment. And then we work completely throughout the lifespan. We have elderly people. We have people that are uh, facing death uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and just working with them through any life experience that, that they need help walking through. Wow. So tell me a little bit about post-COVID. What I mean, we see a lot of stuff in the news. We see a lot of articles about different people, some celebrities, some not celebrities. Tell me about how mental health has been affected since COVID. Wow. I... It's really even hard for me to find the words Mm -hmm. to tell you how drastically mental health Mm -hmm. has been affected since COVID. Of course, during the pandemic and even now, we hear a lot about the medical profession. And of Mm -hmm. course, that has been immensely affected Mm -hmm. by the pandemic, just in terms of resources and in terms of physicians and uh, other medical professionals facing all kinds of issues they had Mm -hmm. not faced before. But I would say I always describe mental health as the second responders Mm, in the pandemic. We were not on the front line treating the illness, but we were definitely and still continue to be the second responders to a lot of people for the fallout Mm. of mental health from not just those that struggle with COVID and actually face that illness or lost loved ones in their family, but also just the economic factors that have come since COVID in uh, a variety of just stressful circumstances, including being isolated from each yeah. other for as long as we were, schools, different things that were shut down. And so it is a very far-reaching, far-reaching problem. And in the 15 years I've been a therapist, prior to COVID, I always felt like if my agency couldn't help somebody, I could find somebody that could mm-hmm. help them. Mm-hmm. And I took a lot of pride in making sure that we not only offered services ourselves, but connected services out in the community. And one of the things we're struggling with now is finding other people Mm. that can serve. Uh, And so we really work hard to do that. But mental health, just in in the 15 years I've done it, I've never seen the need Mm -hmm. like it is now. And so a lot of mental health professionals are really, really, really burning the candle at both ends, (laughs) trying to make sure that we're available because we got into this in this field to help. And it's really difficult to not be able to help everyone that we know needs help. Right. So tell me what, what would just, I don't know, you can't give us a generic answer, but if someone is, feels like they have an issue in mental health, how can they recognize that? And how do they need to reach out? 
Well, I think that what I usually tell people in my office or tell people that ask me that same mm-hmm. question is we all have issues in our lives. We mm-hmm. all have good days and bad days. And if you feel like for the most part, you're managing them mm-hmm. fairly well, then then that's a great time to have coffee with a friend or mm-hmm. discuss a problem with somebody in your family or um, another resource. But what I'm seeing and what I recommend to people is when your problems feel so overwhelming that you really need an outside opinion, mm-hmm. you really need an outside person to come in and give you some perspective mm-hmm. as well as help you trace back to what actually started those issues and work on a good plan to help overcome them. It's very similar to your physical health, right? right? If right. You, we can do all the right things and do nutrition mm-hmm. and those things, but sometimes problems are outside of our scope. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're seeing more and more is that problems have just gotten so big mm-hmm. that people are really struggling to find answers. So first and foremost, a support system is so important. And if you don't have a support system, that's when you need to reach out, period. Yeah. Don't you think? Absolutely. And I think that's what I've seen more than Mm -hmm. anything in this pandemic is that we were so isolated from our support systems and isolated just from people. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, we're seeing drastic increases in anxiety, increases in depression among all age, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. kids and adults, Mm -hmm. because it's just been a place we've had to navigate a lot alone. And that's never a good thing. And that was that wasn't that wasn't us back before COVID. Mm-hmm. We didn't we I mean, I just I know for me, I always had a good support system, but during that time, you know, when it's just you and your immediate family because you can't interact with anybody else, it becomes very, very difficult. Yeah. It becomes very difficult. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how your your business is set up now. So it started out with just you? Mm-hmm. Just me. So how did it how did it build from that point? Well, my business was something that I I laugh a little bit about. I really never thought it would be more than just me. Mm -hmm. And just through a variety of circumstances, different people that uh, presented for counseling in my office. For example, I worked with kids and then all of a sudden realized, wow, if I'm working with kids, I probably need to offer services or help their families as Mm. well because kids do well when parents do well. And so I really brought on some adult therapists and have just organically grown from there. Uh, I'm very fortunate and that the people that work in my practice have come to me mm-hmm. uh, to ask. I haven't had to do a lot of recruiting. And That's awesome. It is very difficult <laughs> to hire therapists mm-hmm. right now. And uh, I have really, I'm of course, I'm totally biased, but I have an amazing team of highly qualified uh, professionals that, that love what they do and, and feel like it's their calling. So does everybody do the same type of therapy or do certain people have certain areas that they they um, can, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Specialize. Specialize. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that's the word. Uh, yeah, we actually have, everybody in our practice has their own specialization or their own niche. Okay. But in general, we mm-hmm. work with a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk a little bit more. Trauma definition okay. is not what we typically used to right. think of it right. being, but they work, we work with a lot of trauma. We work with a lot of families mm-hmm. that um, are struggling even as a system or mm-hmm. need some mm-hmm. help uh, overcoming some problems in their family system. But mostly it's that. Okay. Uh, we have some of us that have some very specialized care or specialized training in foster care and adoption mm. uh, and work a lot in that. But we also consult with businesses and we consult with schools mm-hmm. uh, to help figure out how mental health is impacting all these other arenas. So I'm glad that you and we're going to dive into all of those, but I want you to talk a little bit about the school aspect of it because you've just recently gone and done a couple of presentations, correct? Yes. So talk about that kind of presentation that you do at schools. 
Well, I'm always asked to do a presentation. Usually when I'm brought in, it's saying, hey, we're struggling with students with this type of situation, either a behavior problem in the classroom or, uh, you know, something specific to that school. And so I'm able to design things based on um, whatever that school's needing. But in general, I do a lot of education about the brain and what happens to the brain when there's been a global trauma, which COVID has yes. been a yes. global trauma. And that's something in our lifetime, probably mm-hmm. prior to World War II or some yep. of the, the wars, we haven't experienced a global no. trauma. And so doing a lot of education about what that does to the brain, also just helping teachers really feel supported, mm-hmm. helping them have tools to be able to meet the needs. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of teachers. I was a teacher. Yes. And so I am all on a, a fan of being on teacher side and helping them because they are also on the front lines mm-hmm. of working with these kids. And so we go in and offer a lot of support for that. But education mainly on how the brain operates, how they're able to calm, regulate kids, and do that in a setting of 25 or 30 kids in a classroom, which is tough. I, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> calm. Calm. I want the calm. <laughs> yes. So I, I want to rewind just a smidge because there will be people who in their heads, they're asking this question. I mm-hmm. want to make sure that we've filled in all the blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you get your degree? And what is your degree in? My degree is in counseling, a master's degree in counseling, and it is from Oklahoma State University. Okay. So go folks. Go folks. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> so let's, I know you said the word trauma, and mm-hmm. I know that when people think trauma, they think something totally different probably than what is really, I mean, there's all different kinds of trauma. So speak to a little bit about that. Well, you know, brain research has come a really long way mm-hmm. in the last 10 to 15 years, and we're starting to understand more and more and more about the brain. And so our standard definition of trauma, or at least the one that most people talk about when they come into my office and I'll say, have you ever had any traumatic experiences? They'll say, no, I wasn't necessarily abused or neglected, or I didn't have sexual abuse or emotional abuse necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we have found is that the tra- the definition of trauma, I call them little t traumas, mm-hmm. things that expand beyond the big, more traditional ones we think of when we think of the word trauma. But the definition I like to use is anything that happened too much, too little, too fast, or too soon without appropriate support. Mm. And so that expands our definition. Basically, trauma overwhelms the system. Mm -hmm. And so when the system is overwhelmed, either for an intense short period of time or a chronic long period of time, Mm -hmm. we're seeing that the effects of trauma are similar. Mm -hmm. They may not express the same way in every person, but they're there. Mm -hmm. And so starting to look at a lot of my education over the last several months has just been to explain to people, we have been through trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are so anxious to get back to the life that we had that Mm -hmm. we're skipping over Mm -hmm. that we've been through this collective traumatic Mm -hmm. experience and what that all means. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is very important to hear because I think when we think of trauma, we always think, I mean, my mind goes straight to physical or sexual abuse and that's Mm -hmm. not the case. Most, I mean, some of the time it's not the case. Now those are very traumatic, but it could be over, like you said, a short, a very short amount of time and could be very, very intense or over Mm -hmm. a long amount of time, just subtle, Every single day of the, you know, I can, I can see that. Can mm-hmm. you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just, I don't think we ever stop to think about what trauma really is. Right. Cause I, I don't know that I would have ever, I think big, mm-hmm. I think capital mm-hmm. T trauma. Mm-hmm. I don't think little T trauma. Right. right. And it just never occurs to I mean, me. I'm even thinking about people that I've worked with over the years who, 
you know, I, I think about verbal abuse and maybe it, it's, it's for a very long amount of time and you really don't really, it's so subtle, but mm-hmm. it really does, it messes with your brain exactly mm-hmm. what you said. So, um, wow, I never thought mm-hmm. about that. So speaking of brain, this is all about the brain, but one of the things that um, Kristen does in her practice is neurofeedback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she has tons and tons of success with that. So I would love to introduce that to our listeners Mm -hmm. and have you just talk a little bit about neurofeedback. Yeah. Well, I always have to start out talking about neurofeedback by saying I was probably the biggest skeptic of it ever (laughs) when I first heard about it. In fact, I remember sitting in in my office and a client was talking to me about it and I kept thinking, that's not really a thing. I think somebody would have taught me about it in graduate school. And uh, actually, it was my clients that started coming in and having good experiences with it. And so I started delving into the research. And neurofeedback's actually been around for a really long time, about 50 years. It was, uh, of course, we've known since early in the 20th century that we could read brain waves. We could mm-hmm. read what they are. You've, neurologists do it every day. It's called a QEEG or an EEG. But we're able to read the activity of the brain. And what neurofeedback does in a very short layman's term definition of it is we train the brain to reach optimal functioning. And we do that through monitoring the brain waves and then rewarding the brain. Uh, Sometimes that reward takes place in the form of a tone, an audio tone, or sometimes it takes place in the form of a picture on a screen uh, that rewards the brain to function in more optimal patterns. We know that brains are supposed to do certain things at certain ages and if there's there's no trauma or no um, symptoms. So we have these large databases of brains that tell us this is what it's supposed to look like. And so we're able to go in and take a to take a QEEG, which is different a little bit than what neurologists do. Of course, um, I stay in my lane. I only do the things I'm licensed yeah. to do. Uh, but don't go we, out there we, on that highway. Yeah, yeah, don't don't go on that highway. Uh, but we we do that. We read that, and then we're able to work with things like anxiety and depression because the brain gets in neural pathway ruts, mm-hmm. and it it's kind of like you go to the same way to work every day, and our brain does the same thing. It just goes the same way until we. We tell it not to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, through genetics, through a variety of factors, uh, life experience, brains can get in a rut. Mm-hmm. And so we help the brain get unstuck and uh, have great I success with that. it. Yeah. And I, I love that. If you, if, you're, if you want to relate to that, if you're driving to work and you're not, you're not really thinking about getting there, but somehow your body knows which stop sign to turn right at or which entrance ramp to get onto the highway. And sometimes, haven't you always found yourself someplace, you're going someplace, but it goes the way to work, and that's not the way you meant to go? Mm-hmm. And you catch yourself and, re, re, what is it, recalculating? Recalculating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is, that is if you, if you don't believe in neurofeedback, that's one example mm-hmm. that will help you believe in it because you do. You get, it's that muscle memory was what they call mm-hmm. it, muscle memory, where you just continue to do the same mm-hmm. thing that you've done over and over and over. We find that it's really powerful, and, and in our clinic, and this is a, an approach that we choose to use, but it, it's a part of usually a larger treatment approach, mm-hmm. um, meaning that I tell families that your brain lives in a body that lives in a family that lives in a community, and so we really seek to offer that service as a way to work on the brain, mm-hmm. um, but then we also want to come alongside that family and say, okay, now that your brain's not in that rut anymore, let's try to figure mm-hmm. out maybe some other things about how it got that way, and mm-hmm. then how we can, we can support you through the counseling piece because you know that brain lives in that body mm-hmm. that lives in a family and mm-hmm. so we can work with your brain all day long and it's super effective but we also want to give you the support on the other end of that with yes. your family system and with the community and other things to help brains be optimal 
That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love, love, love that. I've researched a little bit through the vision board stuff that mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. the connection between vision boards and neural pathways. Mm-hmm. And so I've du- I jump right down the rabbit hole in that. So I love that whole concept of neural pathways and how we, for good or bad, we do the same. Sometimes do the same things over and over again. And you can you have the power. We have yes. the power yeah. in our own brain to go the road less traveled yeah. and do a new thing. Yeah, and I love that exactly. One thing I love about neurofeedback in particular is that, for example, people when they're getting anxiety treatment, and I'm myself an anxious person, and so, um, you know, I can work on it and work on it and do all the tools, but if my brain doesn't understand or has never known what calm is, then I can talk to myself all day long and use all the right tools, but Mm -hmm. if my brain doesn't actually know what that experience is, then it's going to be really hard for my brain to get there. And Mm -hmm. so what neurofeedback can do is give your brain what we call a disconfirming experience an experience that's not typical to help their body feel calm, help your body feel calm. And so then your brain goes, Oh, that's what that is. And then it's able to revisit that more often. And the tools that you use, the really amazing tools that we give in counseling and, you know, learn on podcasts and learn on TikTok or wherever we learn them, um, that really help us all to learn to calm down. So mindfulness, deep breathing, those are all great things. But if your brain has never had that experience, it doesn't know how to do it. Mm. And so it's like having a baseline yeah a baseline mm-hmm. and so i i i love that about it oh i that's love so, that so i cool. want to go have it done just for that just for the <laughs> i just want the calm to understand the, just hook me up to the calm i just yeah yeah yeah. just connect me to the calm part <laughs> and leave me there for a while we always like to say welcome to the mind spa we to <laughs> i love it to our office, i love it but it I is sort it. of like that a little bit a spa that, experience for your brain yeah, trying to help yeah. your brain calm down a little bit that is such a i, cool, I mean that. imagine mm-hmm. like you need to market it that way <laughs> i mean that's a good idea i'm serious i'm thinking about that would be you know because yeah that's you need to market it that way well, welcome to the mind spa Actually, we work. Oh, that's really cool. We actually work a lot with high-level executives mm-hmm. that are oh, a, experiencing a lot of stress, or not just executives, but people yeah. in the business world. That yeah. um, I know, I as a business owner have a unit at home, and I repeatedly make sure that I get treatment because it, it helps me manage my stress better. It helps me manage my day better. There doesn't have to be something wrong with your brain, no, no. at all, to do neurofeedback. In fact, we do a lot with athletes' peak performance, helping athletes hit peak performance levels with focus. And, uh, and be able to, uh, to recover quickly. And that goes along with business owners, too. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you've got so much going on that you mm-hmm. can't even focus on one thing. So if you had that part, the mind spa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love it, I love it. I think it. somebody officially took that name, but oh, I'll, unofficially, uh, I'll unofficially call it that. It's just a, a relaxation place for your brain. Yeah, I love that. I think the business owners can really yes. benefit from that. Well, and so let me ask this question because now... All every business owner out there is going to go. I need one of those treatments, but with neurofeedback, it's not really one. No, no, no. Right. So mm-hmm. everybody needs to understand that this is a series mm-hmm. of treatments, not just we don't you just well, get to go in and plug in and calm down. But like could this even be part of self care? Sure. And, you know, we actually have a lot of people that come to see us, uh, like I said, on the on, more on the peak performance and mm-hmm. not like yes. I'm really anxious necessarily or have something going mm-hmm. on. Um, but we do have. It really takes about 30 to 40 sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, some people a little longer, depending on what's been going on, if there's a head injury or anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh, really about 30 to 40 sessions is what we're doing. And I use the analogy with people is it's very much like your physical health. You go to the gym and you work out yeah. and you try to take care yeah. of yourself and eat right. Well, this is going to the gym. 
for your brain. Yes. <laughs> well, and I relate it to the same thing in my business as far as massage therapy goes. I mean, people do that mm-hmm. once a month or once every two weeks. You know, people that work out, people that ride bikes. It's the same thing. Right. It's taking care of your body so that you can have that peak performance. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people think of going to counseling or therapy... It's only when I'm in a time of trouble, and that's mm-hmm. not the case. It's a part of a main, maintenance, part of self-care, and that's why. And I think we finally realized that after COVID. Yes. You know, something good did come out of COVID. But I think that self-care, and it's, it's your mind, your body, and your spirit. you got to take care of the whole thing. You can't just be one part or the other. I'm so glad you said that because earlier when I talked about it, I talked about how do you know you need to go see a counselor. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I'm realizing is we're so steeped in people who are really struggling Mm -hmm. that I forget exactly what you said, that Mm -hmm. a good counselor Mm -hmm. is going to be a great resource to you, not just now, but throughout your life. I know that I have one Mm -hmm. that I see that's amazing and she's a great sounding board and she knows my story Mm -hmm. and she's able to help me walk through and navigate things. And I don't see her every, you know, every two times a week. I see her when I need her and um, it can very much be preventative as well yeah I totally see it as preventative too mm-hmm. I mean don't, especially since COVID don't we want to do those things that prevent us from getting where we were during COVID mm-hmm. yes well the everything that went on was also new and crazy and mm-hmm. we've not experienced that mm-hmm. and I yeah I mean it I just can't recommend enough one of the things that I tell people a lot when someone comes to me or we have a conversation well, should I have counseling? And I just always say, do you want to come out on the other side of this better than you went in? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be on the other side of this much healthier Mm -hmm. than where you are now? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then the answer is easy. And don't we want to do that regardless? Yes. I mean, shouldn't we want to do that regardless? I think so. I think so. Yes. All right, Jennifer, what other questions do you have for Kristen? Well, um, let's see here. I have my handy-dandy question. (laughs) written down. I think you had one about business owners. I have a lot. You know how I am about business owners. Yes. Um, so most of mine relate back to a sudden thing that happens mm-hmm. like COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say something about business yes. owners. Can I just share? Go, please. <laughs> I, go. I, I love to do that. I have a lot of thoughts. As, <laughs> she has a, lots as, of thoughts. As yes. a business owner, I think one of the things I enc- really encourage other business owners to do, and my husband works in the HR field, and we talk about this all the time, that I just think there's a big opportunity for businesses right now to really understand mental health. And I hope that or I, I hope that business owners are starting to recognize and understand, you know, we, we need our employees at their best. We need them doing what they need mm-hmm. to do. But right now people are struggling in a way that I've never seen people struggle before. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I'm always, my husband and I are always talking about is when an employee's struggling or you're having something going on, making kind of the assumption that there's more to that picture than you exactly. see and to try to really help that employee, you know, get to the bottom of that. I've done things as a business owner in the last two years that traditional business ownership would say, don't do, mm-hmm. um, n- not anything negative, no. just, no. 
just providing time off and providing a connection to resources and providing space for people to take a deep breath and know that we have a lot on our plates right now. Now, of course, I manage a mental health agency, so I have to help the helpers. That's mm-hmm. what my role. But I talk to my husband about that in business a lot when they have v- variety of problems, you know, that they face in, in larger businesses even about, you know, hey, have you really delved into what's going on there mm-hmm. instead of just assuming it's a performance review problem or just assuming there's something going on because there may be more to this story than what you're seeing. And and as a therapist who sits in my office and listens to people every day, I always tell people that everyone has a story mm-hmm. and they didn't get to where they are and they didn't get yeah. to what why they're doing what they're doing without a story that's very real and very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so the more that we can start to understand people's stories, the more that we create community in our businesses and the more that we empower our employees to feel like our offices are safe and they're a safe place to come and work every day so they don't have to be perfect and they don't have to have it all together. Of course, you can have high expectations. Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. But I really think that protecting people and recognizing, I say this all the time and you guys have heard me say it, but we're not okay. okay. The whole world is not okay. And if you need evidence of that, just go out and watch people interact at a Starbucks Mm -hmm. or somewhere else because we're just not okay. And so I think we have to take a deep breath as business owners. And I tell this to teachers in schools that we really have to take a deep breath and kind of back up a little bit because of mental health and our emotional well-being affects so many things. Mm-hmm. And if we can reshore that up and help people kind of get back to a baseline of we're doing mm-hmm. better, um, then I think it will have ripple effects throughout everything we want to see in our business. But it's hard to do that. You know, I know mm-hmm. I understand those challenges of how do you balance that but I think it's really 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 important and I'm starting to realize more than ever that my success as a business is directly dependent on the role that I take to help my people be okay and I think that's so true because you know when you have lately I mean when I've had a performance issue it really had nothing to do with the work performance it had to had to do with something they brought to work with them Mm -hmm. And it could have been over a period of time or whatever. And so getting in and really assessing. And sometimes my first question is, everything going okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that's when it's, it, it separates itself from what's happening at work and, and how it's affecting the work as to what they're bringing to work and trying just to work through, you know, just trying to do their job, whatever it is, but really having all that that stuff that they bring to work with them that's affecting what they're doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the changes I've made post-COVID has really helped me, and it's been to start having one-on-ones with my employees on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. And not that I didn't want to do that before, but I didn't feel like there was a a need for that in terms of how much it is, because I have fabulous people, but they're caring a lot for other people, and, Mm -hmm. and so trying to make sure that they stay in a space where they're able to do that is just beneficial to them and to their families and to everybody so I look at it more globally I think than I did and don't before. you don't you think that just people just want to be seen and heard because mm-hmm. I, I I feel like that sometimes I mean I can remember just one of my one-on-ones that I had recently I said well how's everything going and the question was personally or professionally I said whatever you prefer mm-hmm. and we went down the personal path so I think it's just being available being ready being open to listen to those things that are they're bringing to work and you know you're not going to be able to fix it you might not even be able to help but you just be a listener 
Right. Just listen. Well, all the research and counseling says, just in the counseling relationship says, people heal the most, not through the technique you bring to the table or not through your expertise, although those things are important. Yes. They they heal through the relationship. Yeah. And so healing is going to happen in community. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had community for two years, really. And we're still getting back to it, Mm -hmm. but it's still different. There are a lot of people that are still not engaging in community Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. And so those things about getting us back back into community, mm-hmm. being seen, just mm-hmm. stopping to see people and say, mm-hmm. how are you? Mm-hmm. Those are things that are missing and that we've, we've been without for a long time. I noticed that for the very first time when I went to um, one of the graduations last spring and those kids talked about how um, they were out of school for one year and then half of a year, the next one. So when they graduated, they didn't get the full experience of high school. Mm-mm. And it, I mean, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, how mm-hmm. awful. And it, was, and it was all about, you know, it's that community that you have within your friends that you go to school mm-hmm. with every single day. And they didn't get that. <clears throat> and now they're being kicked out into the world or mm-hmm. to college or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that affects those kids that actually did not get to go to school during mm-hmm. COVID and how, how that will affect them in the future. Because I, you know yeah. there's going to be something there. Yeah. Sure. Good, bad, or indifferent, there's yeah. going to be something there. I wondered that too. As I watched, I have a niece that graduated in 2022. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, in 2020, it was required home. Right. And then 2021, One. she chose mm-hmm. to um, be home mm-hmm. and do virtual. That was right. her choice. Right. And then graduated in May. And mm-hmm. so she had two full years yeah. by herself yeah. in her house. Yeah. And I and I kept asking the question uh, in my head as well as out mm-hmm. loud. How is this going to affect this generation? Mm-hmm. What is this going to look like in mm-hmm. five years or ten years or twenty years with these this group of people? Yeah, what's this going to look like? I think the answers are going to come out, and there's going to probably be a lot of research on that, and mm-hmm. there remains to be seen. You know, yeah. affects. I think I would I would say just from the mental health field, we're just starting to kind of stabilize, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know people are not near the in a, the huge number of people yeah. um, that were seeking mental health services, although it doesn't seem to be slowing down in my office at all. <laughs> um, but I I think that over the years we're going to figure that out. I yeah. think there'll probably be some long term studies that tell us what the implications have been. I do want to loop back just a little bit to um, what we were talking about in terms of business owners. I come from a generation of, you know, you leave your personal life at Mm -hmm. home and Mm -hmm. you come to work and Mm -hmm. you work and don't, don't intermix the two. And for people who are my age, which I'm a Gen Xer and older, that pretty much is the, that was the way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to just kind of bring this back up for anybody who is listening who is an owner who is more my age or older to understand that nothing that we used to do is what we need to be doing now right like there's so much difference in what it looks like now and those one-to-one conversations are really important even though it goes against your grain (laughs) and even though it goes against what you think business is supposed to be like you're gonna have to get more personal with your people yeah. And that's that's very different. And if you've been in business for a long time, it's just a huge difference because yeah. we're all busy as owners. And yes. trying to make time for those folks and making sure that their managers are making mm-hmm. time, it's really, really important. But I think as Kristen has seen, it, it makes all the difference. Yeah, so. and, I, and I, I think that's a really important distinction. 
part of what I'm learning is it doesn't necessarily have to be me. In really healthy organizations, employees take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to facilitate that more even because I'm not going to be able as we grow to be around Mm -hmm. for every single person all the time. Now I want to be and I try to tell my staff my door is open and I really I do try to check on them and do Mm one-on-ones. But my heart is that they learn that there are other people on the staff that care deeply about Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And so we're I'm working through ways ways to make that happen. So you don't have to be all things to all people. I think right. that's that's really tough. But yes. to your point, I'm a Gen Xer, and so my husband and I talk about that a lot. A lot that no, I don't think anybody ever asked me about my personal life in any job I ever had ever, <laughs> and really didn't care unless I wasn't going to be there. And then they really even still probably didn't care and so, right. you know about why I wasn't going to be there. And so this is a paradigm shift. But I also think to to the point that I give parents too about their kids is we know so much more about the brain than we ever have known. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much research. And so when I have somebody say, well, I did it this way and it was fine, one of the analogies I use is that, well, you know, 50, 60 years ago, nobody thought smoking was all that harmful. And we've had a ton of research since then that yeah. has said otherwise. Yeah. And yeah. so when we get research and we get knowledge, we can either choose to use it or we don't, but the knowledge is there. And so we do know that our human brains are wired to be connective, that they are wired mm-hmm. for community and that is how people uh, stay safe and okay in Mm. the midst of hard things is through community. And I think that point is so important. And I think that that's a great place for us to start on our next podcast is right there. We're not done. Because I, I, I feel like that community Mm -hmm. concept is something that we need to dig into just Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Yep. I agree. So don't, don't go away, guys. We are going to, our time is up for this podcast, but Kristen is full of so much good information. We're going to have her back for part two, and uh, she will be joining us next week. So stay with us, join us next week, and we are going to dive into um, a little bit of cancer knowledge. It being October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I'm going to ask questions, Kristen some questions about mental health and walking through cancer. And so if you Um, have been diagnosed with cancer or you know someone that has, you want to listen to next week. You want to listen to next week. So thank you so much, Kristen. And we will see you back here next week. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Edie. And this is Jennifer. And we hope that we've inspired you to find your business bestie if you haven't already. Thank you.